Good day. I hope everyone had a great week. Uh, this week we have quite a treat. I've got a, a guest joining me today, and uh, we're going to kind of take this and have a, a little different look on how things are going to go. Uh, but before we get into any of that, let's uh, get into it. So uh, we're going to save the world today. Uh, I'm joined today with uh, a special guest. Uh, perhaps we'll have him back, but uh, we'll see how we manage this time. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I uh, <laughs> This is going to be interesting. Uh, I feel like we're going to win the lottery. We have all the answers to all the problems. That's that's what we're here for, yeah. yeah. So uh, right off the hop, let, let, let's take the low-hanging fruit and deal with Canadian COVID policy. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you vote for Trudeau? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't vote for Trudeau. You know what? Embarrassingly enough, like when he first got in in 2015, I didn't vote for him because I can't remember what was going on. I was working like a crazy job at the time. I didn't actually get out to vote, which is bad. But I probably would have voted. You did for better him. than I did because I actually got out and put one in for him. Yeah, no, no, I, w- I was, I was happy when he won, and I remember seeing that night because it was like, you know, he w- it wasn't really the favorite to win at least like a month out. He wasn't the favorite, and then you know, as it got closer, he was definitely gaining, and then you know, like they talked about the red wave coming in, and I was like, okay, that's cool. Like you know, maybe he's gonna do things differently, and like it just. It's crazy to think back that in 2015, I was that naive. Like, I was already, like, I felt like I was already kind of, like, open to how corrupt things were, but I was just so naive to think to that he would be different. To give you some grace, I, d- I don't think it was as, as easy to identify as it is <laughs> today. Right, fair enough, that's I mean, true. I look at it, and, like, compared to Sheer at the time, I mean, I still stand by the fact that he was a horrible person to put forward. But they did oh, a really good job. Oh, you mean job. in the second election? Yeah. The second election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was here. Yeah. And, like, to, to put him forward was, was for me, horrible. And it was like, that. that is why I ended up voting Trudeau. And, I mean, if I knew now, I, I, I feel terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, they, Sheer was just, for me, that was just too much. Well, like, because there was the first one right against Harper. Where, yes. Where he took out Harper. And, to be honest, like, I grew up as, like, a... I just kind of assumed that I was the liberal. You know what I mean? My my parents sometimes voted the progressive conservative party when that was still around, like Joe Clark and all that yeah. stuff. But I just kind of assumed I was a little bit center left, and my parents were actually from Alberta, and they were kind of the reform party. Yeah. They kind of were always really worried about what that used to be. Um, and so they didn't really like Harper, but like... Looking back on it now, I'm not sure why I didn't like Harper, other than that it seemed everybody around me didn't he, like Harper. So I <laughs> right? really sat with the whole Harper debate because, again, like I, I too voted against Harper. Uh, and it, again, same thing as when I voted instead of Sheer, was uh, it was, I, I actually don't think I voted against Harper or Trudeau. I think I just stayed out of that one. But uh, the media did such a good job on both elections in just destroying the candidates. Sheer, it was warranted. I think he deserved what he got. He wasn't a good candidate. Sheer was like, you know, and the conservatives have such a problem with this. They either pick like sort of like your your 
boomer conservative who like you know just shouts about random budgetary things or they pick like a knockoff Trudeau type and that's what Sheer was for me is like he was basically a light version of Trudeau and that they were thinking that they were going to somehow peel votes away that way and it's like it's just not going to happen and then they double down with O'Toole well yeah O'Toole you know I kind of I never liked O'Toole, but I had hoped that he would stay principled on a few things, and he just never did. Yeah, I can't. I can't get a read on if he truly is still principled and just tries to pander to the, say the left. Yeah. In in order, it doesn't matter where he stands on any of it. He uh, he's just a snake. You can't right. trust him for anything. Um, but I, I left the the last election we just had, and I I really am stuck wondering like. If Harper was running, that would have been a walk away. I think so too. Actually, I think Harper's it his uh, his name has sort of regained some of its former luster type thing. And yeah, like when when he left, I don't think he was very popular. But with time and with the way things have gone in the last six or seven years now, he he definitely would have won if he came back. Now he's not interested in that. And I get it. But, um, you know, you were talking about the media and the way they they frame things for conservatives and, like, they just destroy candidates. And they do. Like, I mean, I don't know if the way... If you saw the debate where, where the, you know, they had the five leaders uh, and, like, it starts off with the land acknowledgement... Which, whatever you think about that, that's definitely coming from, like, a leftist... Oh, for sure. ...sort of oriented thing. And all of these, like, the topics of climate change, this, it's it's slanted to make the conservatives lose from the start. And, and it's I like, think, why do they even participate? Yeah, and, and the conservatives, well, not just participate, but they, they kind of acknowledge that these are the guardrails we will play with in. Well, that that's it. But they, they think that that's if they play safe maybe they'll somehow win but it's like no you're you're already seeding your argument by even playing within these right rules. and i think i think that's where you're seeing the growth in popularity with the ppc because they will stand on on a hill and this is my values whether it wins or loses it, it means nothing to me as long as i'm true to my conviction right and that may be a little foolhardy but yours, yours it turned out it was, yeah. We but we see now time, though, you can't you can't play the left's game and win. No, the the dealer's always gonna win. No, well, like one of the problems though is, you know, people talk about vote splitting, right? And I, I get the logic behind it, but I no longer subscribe to the philosophy. I'm not gonna vote for somebody who doesn't represent me just because I think they're a lesser of two evils um, I'm going to vote for my convictions but you know then people say well you know that leads to vote splitting and the lesser of two evils or, or it ensures that the greater of two evils is going to win which you know you could argue happened this time around but when it comes to Canada I look at it and I go well okay yeah you add up the the Conservatives actually got a higher number of overall votes than the Liberals. And if you add the PPC votes on top of that, then you'd say, oh, it's even that much more. But it's like, 
add the liberals and the NDP together, you're like 60 plus percent of the votes in Canada. Oh, for sure. And, and then Green Party. And it's like, I'm worried that Canada's lost. Well, yeah. And I, I have like, we'll, we should really get into the, the whole, our election system in general is like not set up to be representative. But like when I look back, so I like was very vocal and I still am very opinionated on the vote split concept. Um, but even for me, like we have a riding where we got one of the strongest supports for PPC. We hit like 10 or 11%. Yeah. But we still didn't split the vote. The conservative candidate won our, our riding with more than 50% of the vote. I actually didn't, I mean, I didn't go through every riding, but I don't think I, I think there was, saw one. There was, I think there was maybe three, um, ridings where you could actually argue a vote split occurred. And I, I certainly know there wasn't enough that if you would have taken those three ridings, the given all of them over, yeah. nothing would have changed. You would have had a, I think a one seat makeup difference. Yeah. Um, but effectively it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish it had, uh, it would have been right, better to right. sit there and say, Hey, we had enough of an influence. Absolutely. But kind of shock the conservatives into like who they should be. I think you have seen though, that the PPC has certainly injected a shot of adrenaline into the conservative base in the sense, like you've now seen, uh, internal, debate over the leadership of O'Toole. Uh, and I mean, he's barely been in there a year and they're already putting him up for a leadership review. There's been petitions that have him removed already. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a card carrying conservative, I think he should be, I, I think you take your loss, identify the utter failures that were there and, and grow from it. Stop playing the left's game. Again, that's my bias bleeding through full, full well, but I mean the PPC have, put a mark on this and it'll be really interesting to see how the next election pans out. I think so. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the problems, like you're saying card carrying conservative and I'm not. And and I think I've actually kind of, I feel like the conservative title has become like a dirty word for me recently. And because, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the person who put this, uh, this phrase out there, but it's like, you know, conservatives are just liberals driving the speed limit or progressives driving the speed limit. Yeah. And I'm not, they're, they're too interested in picking the next battle that they're going to lose. And I'm not really interested in that anymore. I think we need to actually reverse some things. And I'm not talking about like, Oh, we need to take it back to the twenties or the fifties. I'm not talking about some bygone time. I'm talking about some principled stands that we need to just stop seeding these arguments well it'd be know? nice to just pick one issue and not fold like a deck of cards well, that's what they, that's that's the game plan that's right? that's in the that's in the name yeah it's <laughs> you know but i i say i yeah I, I carry a conservative card i probably won't renew my membership and i certainly also carry a purple card right i i one came after the other obviously right um and i certainly do no longer align with the conservative party of today, but I think it's no different than like you talk to a traditional liberal today. They don't align with the liberals of today. Like traditional liberalism is today's conservatism. Right? No, absolutely. Um, but there's actually so many people who aren't fully aware of that, you know, so like they've been voting liberal their whole life. So that's just what they do. Never mind the fact that the Liberal Party of today bears no resemblance to what they did 
15 years ago. Right. And you look, you apply that to like NDP and it's like, I, my first ever federal vote was for Jack Layton. Right. And I was so proud to he do was that. All right. <laughs> he was, he was probably the best candidate in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I don't see how that party, the working person's party of Jack Layton has turned into Jagmeet Singh's communist manifesto. Well, they, they've just become sort of like such a, like, sort of like. I hate to say the word, but like bourgeois type like problems. That's all they they care about pronouns and land acknowledgements, and it's like things that actually don't help people. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to actually know, and it and, and I would care about this. How are you going to fix the the clean water, the fresh water supply for native populations around Canada? I would like to see that happen. And I get that there's like complicated issues to that. But like you're telling me you're going to save the planet planet from global warming. You can't even get fresh water to Canadian citizens. So right. like don't... seven years later. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. For sure. No, it was seven <laughs> years ago. He promised this. Exactly. So I just and I mean, whether it's NDP or liberals or Green Party, you know, it's all about this. We're going to save the world. And here we are, you know you and I right now, we're going to save the world. Right. But, exactly. But, you know, they, they, that's their, their whole thing is like, we need to do this and combat climate change. And it's like, I don't know, are you going to stop solar flares next to like, I don't, I don't understand what you guys think you can do. That'll be a, a quite the flip when, when the tinfoil hats are for a better purpose. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, geez. I mean, they, they don't, they won't accept that they're already wearing tinfoil hats right now. Yeah. I, I, I really want to, get into an episode soon uh, uh, regarding religion and like really today's politics and leftism has become its own religion. Oh yeah. There's so much dogma and, and stuff you can't question lest you be expelled. Well, I mean what cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. I mean, everybody knows it. It's hard to put, you know it when you see it, but it's hard to, when they challenge you on it and they say, well, what do you mean? What do you, and then they say, you know, well, okay, you could say Louis C.K. or something. And then it's like, oh, you don't think he deserved to get canceled? And it's like, okay, I'm not trying to defend every... He didn't. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> All he right. Didn't. You're going you're gonna to defend... And you know what? He asked permission. Right, that's, that, that's <laughs> he, the threshold. He asked permission. You, so. you didn't think it was rude. No, no. But my point is, is they try to make you, like, defend an individual case. And it's like, it's not about that. It's about the idea that society should be going around canceling people in general yeah like it, it's i'm not the thing i love is like at this point i've just accepted you're never gonna stop that beast so i i simply just take solace when it comes to eat them their own yeah. and and that's the thing the left really doesn't understand is and we will see that with this these mandates uh, it will come to eat their own. The things you support today are going to be the same things you're you're fighting back against in eight months, 12 months. Cause it doesn't stop where you just think it should. I, you know, and I wish, I wish that were the case. I hope it is. And well, I mean, I hope it is in the sense that, you know, people will slowly start to, to stand up to things. And, you know, talking about these mandates now that we're going to get into that, the amount of people I've seen in my own personal life, like friends of mine who have just flip flopped on the issue, who, a year ago or more when I started talking about this issue and saying like, guys, they're, they're going to like not let you into stores or into restaurants 
if you're not vaccinated, they they would like shake their head and say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. The amount of them now who think that that's a great idea and, you know, it's just for the greater good. It's just, it's so saddening. And I don't know what it would take for, especially our generation of men in particular, to stand up. They're so missing. There's, you know what? Like I, I live in a bit of an echo chamber. I can acknowledge it. And I like try to, to poke my head out of it. But I'm telling you, there's so few men in this fight. It's yeah. there's, there's a ton of angry moms. That's actually, it's funny. Even in my, like my personal group of friends, it's mainly the wise, like who are against it now, or at least they're the most stridently against it. Yeah. And it's, it's few of them to be fair. It's not, all of them, but the ones who are, it's their wives who are really driving it. For sure. I, we're a little biased. Like our, our circle is, is I'm far more, um, Christian and, and fairly Orthodox Christian. Right. So we have a little more exposure. There's a lot more families we know, but again, it's the women driving it for yeah. the most part. There's, there's a handful. And I, I really, that, that's my kind of people. Uh, the yeah. men that are, are pushing back. Oh, I have no problem with there being a strong woman as well. Do, like, that's great. See, I'm traditional. I, I I would like a world where they don't need to be the strong ones. No, no, I get it. I'm just saying that there's exceptions, right? Oh, for to sure. everything. And, like, you know, not everybody's going to be the same. And it, and if, you know, in some cases the, the wife is the dominant partner in some of those things, then, you know, so be it. I would, but I would love to see, like you're saying, in a more traditional sense where... The majority of the time, it's the men who stand yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm happy things. to see women in this fight. I just look at it and think, damn, it's it's it shouldn't be their battle. Uh, where are the men? And and even if there is a ton of women, where are the men? Yeah. Well, it seems so many of the guys I know, you know, they they've got this like failure to launch problem where like maybe they've set themselves straight, like they have a job, they have a career. Um, they might have a girlfriend, but like they have no plans in getting married. They have no plans in having kids. And it's like, you know, you're, they're busy having fun, which is great. I had a lot of fun too in my twenties, but like, and even that, I feel like I'm in my early thirties, you know, I've got a wife and kid planning on having more kids, but I still feel like I'm a bit behind the eight ball when it comes to that part of my life. Like, you know, I want to have a bigger family and it's almost like a little late in the game. Well, this goes back to the traditional conservative. You're framing yourself on traditional values where you're married with a couple kids by the time you're our age now. Right. Uh, And I mean, like it's fine. We're well, well on the path we want to be on, but I I get this, I get the same thing. It's uh, it. The, the picture you have in your head isn't where you thought you'd be, but the picture you and I share is very different from the picture most men in society today share. No, I mean, they're, you know, when it comes to, you know, getting back to the mandates, and I know that's what we're talking about, but so many, so many of the guys that I know in my life who are, you know, I, I like them, but they, if it means that they can go out on their Tinder date, and, you know, go to the gym or whatever, play play pickup hockey, which, you know, good for them and all of those things. I'm but dying to play some hockey. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I, I haven't played in years, <laughs> but it would be bad. But, you know, as long as their life is made easy, 
they don't care on standing on any principles. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a pacifist culture. Right. And I, I don't I can't put my thumb on it if it's Canadian culture or just Western culture in general. I look at the states and I'm I'm quite envious. I, I so I do think a couple things. Like I would say it's Western culture in general, but that within Western culture it's not a monolith. Like there are some sort of bright lights and most of them when it comes to issues like this are concentrated in the states um you know i don't envy the states for every single um issue that they have going on but what i i would trade all of those things for a society with some backbone yeah, I, I think and this this is to move beyond the mandates now. This is going to touch on on just the foundations, and I I've really come to terms with this. I haven't really thought about it till this year, uh, specifically. But I I look at the states and their fight, and like they really do have some places strongly fighting. You've got Florida, and it's just like a beacon of hope. Yeah, um, Texas is kind of trailing a bit, but they're not sure. far behind. And you've got some like hardcore red states like Iowa. Yeah, you don't talk about it because it's like well, there's it's, just it's so, a monolith. such little impact though too, right? No. Because they're not very heavily populated or something. But Texas and Florida, those are like their own mini countries for sure. And I, I look at the states and I look at Canada and and how they kind of came to be, and it's like the states fought, they bled right. for what they got, right? And we got what we got kind of just by by licking hand- the hand that fed us. It was handed to us and. And it, it, so we, yeah, we never had to fight for the freedoms and it never became part of our like sort of cultural, it never became part of our cultural philosophy. Quite our, the opposite. Our, right. It, exactly. I mean, it, we, we just sort of assumed that that's the way things were because we inherited it. Don't rock the boat. You'll get it. Grandma will give you the keys. Right. And I mean, I get, you know, this isn't to slag on Canadian history I'm I'm really proud I and I always was very proud of like you know Canada's actions during the world wars and you know other other parts in history even the peacekeeping stuff I would like you know I used to be proud of that stuff and you know still am to some degree but we don't have a solid identity and whatever identity we've had we've just systematically destroyed over the last few decades you know whether it's you know looking at our history with like truly some awful things around indigenous um right stuff but i mean is did we do we stand out as one of the worst perpetrators of human rights in in the world no but we're the ones who hold ourselves to account more than anybody in the world right or western countries for sure yeah we've we've definitely done some wrong of course, everybody has. Uh, and we, I've, I talked about this like last episode. Obviously, you haven't heard that yet. But uh, we do have to reckon with our past. Uh, but it, we need to deal with today. History is a cold bitch. It, uh, it will not view our age any better than we view the history that we're looking at. Of course not. And like, you know, we can do all the land acknowledgments we want, but we're not planning on giving that land back right like every time i hear a land acknowledgement i kind of think like okay so you're acknowledging that you're on stolen land but are you leaving and like giving that land back so you're just like you're confessing to this crime 
but it's kind of really patronizing yeah eh? right you're not actually intending on doing anything about it this is the ways of the left it's yeah so no but i mean going back to the whole like yeah we're we need to deal with the world as it is now and yeah while acknowledging the past we need to understand that we are still the best thing going you know as and i mean the west in general not canada for sure um we're the greatest force despite all of our problems we're the greatest force for liberalization and i mean that in the true sense not in the party sense no yeah the uh, traditional term yeah and and demo- democratization and just human rights around the world but we're so busy calling out our own faults that all of these truly terrible human rights abuses around the planet just get to point and laugh at us yeah it's pretty crazy when you've got places like china condemning us in the UN for our racism and our handling of native affairs. Right. This is coming from a country that's actively got concentration camps. Yeah. And, and organ harvesting. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit naive because I think, you know, we, we, we stand up against China, right? Like, cause China's, you know, this force for evil with their, well, evil, you know what I mean? Force for, um, let's p- call it problematic uh, government with their social credit system and their one-party control. That's and, minus and, 10 points, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Well, we're about to lose a whole <laughs> lot more. We're already on the bad list. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, it. I always assumed that our governments would look at things like the social credit system and think, oh, that's that's terrible. We would never do that. Now I realize they were just working with big tech and like sort of rubbing their hands together thinking, okay, how can we make that work here? Yeah. And, they, and now I think they found the perfect I, I think our, our pacificity with China and, and just what's going on there, I think that's I think that's a bridge already too far. I think yeah. we, we the damage for us is already done yeah. by allowing it to, to kind of stand as long as it has. Even if you decided to pick a fight today and say, hey, you guys have crossed these lines, we've let it fly for so long that we really can't stand on it now. No, you know, we, we can't... I Like, you know, I, I'm not a military expert, and, and I get that, you know, the U.S. Navy's big... Or maybe not even in the number of boats anymore, but maybe more powerful than the, the Chinese Navy, their, the Air Force, and all that stuff. But, I mean, realistically, a hot war but with China is out of the cards now. I don't think it is. Uh, well, I mean... I think I think we're watching sorry, Taiwan, should, and it's gonna. Oh, Taiwan, but here's the thing. This is, this is my point, is that, you know, if, if you're asking me now to put my, my cards on the table and say, when is Taiwan going to be taken... I won't give an exact date, but I would say within the next 10 years. I say, I, I agree that they're going to try. Yeah. I don't think they fall. I think... I, I think, don't see how we stop them. I think we're within three years of that being physical conflict, if not within the next year. I, I have a much more worrisome perspective on that. I think it's going to happen a lot sooner than people think. Uh, but I, I look at Taiwan, and first of all, I understand in China... A lot of what we in the West hear from China is Chinese propaganda. 
their military their military is large um but they're poorly equipped and they have no real world training they've they don't have real world experience and you right, you right, right. really can't count that whereas you could say the americans you know they, the americans, they've done their their testing the waters in different yeah areas. you look yeah. at america which i think is the point of a lot of those wars oh for sure extent. yeah it's a live training exercise <laughs> um but you look at america canada germany england and and india even so one thing when we talk, I get you pull those all together, and they could all definitely like together. You, they you could all really put crush. two of them together, and they would stand up just fine. Right. Uh, you look every about two years, India gets into a hot conflict with China as China tries to encroach. Yeah, little border incursions. Yeah. Uh, and you can pretty much set a calendar to it, but India continues to hold them back. They they truly do have better equipped people and better trained people. But what happens? Like, where does Russia land on it? Because that I think Russia's the the. The dragon in in it's the, the linchpin, though, right? Uh, like, because if they go with Russia, that changes the game because that provides fuel to the China. Or if Russia goes with China, yeah, that they provide things like fuel and other military. Like, they've still got a huge land army. I they've think, got a massive tank army. So, uh, first off, I'll acknowledge my bias when it comes to Russia. I have a certain amount of respect for Putin. I oh, sure, I understand yeah. he I is corrupt. But I, he's an one, autocrat for sure. Right. But I do respect that he plays dirty within limits that everyone knows. Right. Don't do X or Y will happen. Right. I can deal with that, but he doesn't, he doesn't break rank from his, his structure. But I, I look at the possibility of global conflict involving China and I kind of see Russia sitting in the background I don't see them getting involved. I see them letting everyone else kind of get dragged in. And then while everyone's worried about China, I think that's when you're going to see Russian expansion happen again. You're going to see them take back like Czechoslovakia. And you're going to see them like Georgia. Incursions into Eastern Europe. Right. I think think you'll see the uplift of Russian expansion. And I think personally, from a pragmatic perspective, I think think that's where they'll kind of land. They'll be opportunistic, but not really involved. Yeah, see, just, and I could see that they could go either way, and I'm not, I'm not (laughs) anti-Russian, you know, I didn't get into the whole Russia uh, hysteria or anything like that, that was obviously nonsense from the start, but, and I, and I do kind of respect, like you're saying, the sort of, like, realpolitik of, of Putin, And, and, you know, he's a, you know, a motivated actor in, in world politics. And, you know, he doesn't mess around. Um, that's what it takes. And and it, it, we, we'd like to pretend like our leaders are somehow like benevolent and really are motivated by good and wonderful things and wouldn't ever do these horrible acts that we pin on Putin all the time, but they do that too. Um, but you know, thinking of the the Taiwan thing specifically with China, when and the conflict that could happen around that, I don't know that the U.S. would be able to project, or be not being necessarily able, but willing to project its power into that close of a region to China's sphere of influence. I mean, how many miles? I don't know how many miles. Taiwan is off the coast of China, but it's not many. No. 
And you think about these short-range ballistic missiles that China will have all along its coast. You're not going to be able to get an aircraft carrier close to Taiwan. Funny you mean... Because, yeah, you could block a few of them, but when they're firing hundreds or thousands of them at you... You're not you're not gonna stop all of them. Funny you mention that. I, I don't know if you caught the the latest news. I, I, it literally broke like today or yesterday. But they China has actually launched an interglobal ballistic oh, missile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they put it up into the atmosphere. They successfully thing, orbited the Earth with it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, from a military standpoint, and again, it, seeing that happen today, it, it's not by chance. They're not just developing this now. It's a show of force. It's a warning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm not. I don't think either China or the U.S. wants to nuke each other. Well, we're, we're ha- well. I mean, looking from China, Taiwan, they are actively in a cold war now. Both leaderships, yeah. both leaderships have announced they're preparing preparing for war. The the Taiwanese uh, president or whatever her name is, um, she yeah, she's definitely upped her her military and her engagement with the U.S. and the the ties pu- very publicly recently. I know that. Um, I just still think when the rubber hits the road, how are you going to stop them there? How how did Vietnam stop America? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, but like I I I'm just saying you're, I, you're I, talking about the, with Vietnam, but add a few allies because because well, there's a, an ally for the Americans now now, but but take the Vietnam as an analogous yeah yeah, and add a couple allies defending Vietnam as well. Some some horsepower behind that, right. and that's I think that's how I look at Taiwan. It, you're going to have to be damn quick. That response that, time is going to be very short. That's the thing is I think in a quick decisive battle the U.S. wins every time against China. Well, but in a long prolonged battle, I I don't see them being able to sustain that against China in that area of the world very long. No, I get I, you have Japan, you have China, uh, or uh, you have India who are like potential. Areas. Well, India, without question. Japan, it'd be interesting to see how they land. Japan will 100% side with the U.S., I think. I think they, South Korea is a, is a tough one for me. I, I think Japan would look at it from a, an analytical standpoint. They would pick the winning horse. I don't think they're... I couldn't see them siding with China, though. If anything, they'd stay out of it. Possibly. Possibly. But And then you look at, like, for response time. Even today, we have multiple nations floating destroyers in that sea. Germany yeah. and England have active duty I think Australia has carriers. Some stuff around Australia there. better be damn cautious of what's going on with China. <laughs> they are cautious, uh, but I, they're actually uh, as crazy as Australia is on so many fronts right now. They're one of the few countries that's actually calling China out regularly. Is it parlor games though? Maybe because yeah. if you're talking that talk, but walking the walk, they're walking. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you, but. Well, and, if Taiwan falls, Australia is absolutely next. Maybe. Well, I I think it's less that like you'll have Chinese troops marching through Sydney, is that you'll have, uh, an Australian government that basically, if not officially, in, in pra- all practicality, pays tribute to the Chinese government. Yeah, it would take it would take very little military pressure to to basically economically isolate that island. Uh, you t- you lock down I think maybe two shipping ports, yeah, and you're done. You've completely crippled them. Uh, you could put a destroyer near any harbor, and that shuts down the airports. 
you shut down the harbors and you could literally within a week have them begging for mercy. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully Australia understands this. I, I mean, you can't be an island nation like that and so naive to it. But Australia just cannot be self-sufficient. I'm not sure they can actually, no. Um, not to sustain this quality of lifestyle. Obviously, no, in no, the no, past, no, they have been. Not. And I mean, when I was you know, thinking about self-sufficiency and when I'm talking about the will of the, the U.S., especially in a long war, to stand up to China, the U.S. doesn't have to. The U.S. could be self-sufficient. You know, they've got all the resources they need. They've got actually a fairly young and dynamic population. They don't have the same, like, sort of demographic issues that Europe has. They they, they have all the food, all, everything that they need. So, I mean, they need to bring some manufacturing home, for 100%. sure. 100%. I, I, I'm like, like I'm listening to <laughs> you yeah, talking. Yeah, like... I get it. Economically, they've got their problems. So does China, by the way. But... Um, the U.S., and I think we will see this in a long-term trend, regardless of what happens in Taiwan, the U.S. is going to become more and more isolationist. We're going to see less of these foreign excursions, uh, whether it be Iraq or, or Afghanistan or even... Oh, yeah, that's policies I can agree with. Interventionalism should not happen. Right, and I'd actually much rather see a lot of that effort be brought home, not militarily, I mean, I just mean, um... Just look at the spending. Spending, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I'm actually for. I would be a lot more open to some social programs at home, like socialized programs, even. Oh yeah. Um, as opposed to seeing that money spent on for uh, in foreign aid, even or all that. Just just a uh, hundred million in Pakistani gender studies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just where our pro- the uh, priorities of the Americans are, um, you know. But the thing is, is so many, so many uh, politics have become like uh, you know lobby interests and all these things. So all, all these politicians, all of them, left, right, center, they're all bought and paid for somehow. Oh yeah. Um, that was the one thing, and, and by no means am I saying Trump was not corrupt. He was corrupt in his own way, but it wasn't necessarily, uh, there was definitely some crossword, but it wasn't necessarily the traditional way that American politicians are bought and paid for. For sure. I, uh, when you look at that, like I, it's the nature of the beast. You're never going to limit corruption in politics. It's like that, that's about as much of a pipe dream as communism is. Right. Um, but like when you look at Trump, as long as the self-enrichment is not happening at the expense of the average person. You're not selling out your countrymen and you're not doing harm. Whereas like you see Joe Biden and like his, his offshore interests or I mean, son and all that stuff for anyone looking for accounting advice, just follow Nancy Pelosi's stock trading. She's She's, what's she worth? A couple hundred million. She's got a 600% ROI on average. (laughs) Um, and again, this, this looks career politician, right? She has a better yearly, year-over-year year return on average than Warren Buffett. <laughs> and you know what? I know her husband is something. Like, he, he, he makes some money himself. But yeah, she. there's no way a career politician should be worth hundreds of millions well, of dollars. Well, it certainly helps when the American legal system allows for insider trading if you're in Congress. 
It's yeah. not illegal. Right. Right. Well, they, they, so she's legally lobby, doing lobby, fine, right? And they're allowed to argue on behalf of their lobbyists. She's even allowed to trade her stock portfolio from inside knowledge. Is that right? Yeah, she can know that the SEC is about to drop something, and she could short that company. That's a hundred percent legal. Well, didn't that actually happen? Uh, there was like uh, I can't remember the politicians' names. There were like some senators or something that, when the whole COVID lockdowns were coming. They started selling all of their stocks like back in like early March. Yeah. Before, or actually, it was probably I want to say it was like mid February because the stock market actually started to tank. I want to say like late February twenty twenty, and like they were already selling all their stocks. And I think some of them were Republicans. I'm pretty sure oh, it's it goes, not like that's go, a it, it's, two party so- it's Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but just you, a mess. But you expand that and you look at them. Say when they they approved Pfizer. This is the inside information that they they can legally What's trade on. What's his name, on. Scott? Uh, who who's the guy? He was like the head of the FDA. Scott Adams? No, no, no. Scott Adams. That's the Dilbert creator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's great though. No, um, I can't remember his name. Scott something. But he was like uh, the head of Pfizer, like the CEO of Pfizer, and then he was like the head of the FDA or advisor, top advisor to the FDA or something. Yeah, for, and it's like. It's the same thing when you see, like, Dick Cheney, former CEO of Halliburton. Oh, I know. You know, all of a sudden he's vice president, and there's this, like, perfect war to enrich the guys at Halliburton. Yeah, you look at Bush is the same way. Yeah, of course. And left, right, Republican, Democrat, that is what got you Trump in one way or another. I'm not sure that every single Trump voter would articulate it that way. Oh no, there's certainly some some low IQ voters, and I can respect them. But they're, oh they're, yeah, yeah, there's there no is problem. some not so ripe fruit on on both trees for sure. But I think either way, like the sort of general uh, disgust, you know, whether you can put your finger on it, everybody kind of knows what's going on, and, and they were just tired of it. Um, but you look at you look at like Trump, for example, and. And the net worth of him took a huge hit for being in politics. Oh, yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't, whatever he was doing it for, you know, you could say it was for his own ego or whatever. It certainly wasn't to get rich. Right. right? He already had what he needed. He had money. Uh, I don't know how much money. He, oh, it was he, definitely inflated. It was definitely inflated, but like, whatever. You know what? If he lost $100 million in. 2014. He's got a Great. whole lot, he made more, a money whole lot more money than I'm yeah. ever going to see. Yeah, so. he's got a whole lot more money than I <laughs> yeah. do. So that's fine. You know, people say, oh, he's not that successful. Jesus, he's a successful guy in a lot of different Measured domains. against you, he is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, he certainly wasn't doing the whole presidential thing for. It didn't come at the expense of the average person. I don't think. No, actually, the economy was doing great. Um, unemployment was low every all that stuff and i get he wasn't typically presidential but honestly that's probably the thing i liked about him the most i definitely see and that's not that's not isolated the, the states that, we're seeing populist there's a populist comeback there is i mean i think maxine bernier is certainly not trump you know he's a little bit more of a principled I person i wish he'd try to be a little more distant like he he doesn't put enough gap between him and that that character. No, I, but I, I hate to say this because like it doesn't actually bother me, but I think one of his problems is 
his accent, his French accent. It's hard for him to appeal to English-speaking Canadians. But, well, actually, it maybe doesn't pan out because he did better in Ontario. Who's than your favorite other. historical prime minister of our lifetime? Of our lifetime. So I'm born in 88. Uh, Gretchen, for sure. Right. <laughs> so how's that French accent hurt? No, no, I get it. I get it. No, yeah. I, I see what you're trying to say, but you know what? You ask a lot of people our age. It really, it may be a theoretical, but I don't see it. Gretchen, for me, it was the attitude, man. And he was and, and I wasn't, I wasn't old enough. Yeah, absolutely. But he was <laughs> the type liberal. of liberal that, like, when I said I saw myself as a liberal growing up. That's exactly because it. I grew up with yeah. Gretchen. And, like, and, and that just shows you how in 30 years, how much that window oh, can shift. I feel like it's changed so much in the last 10 years. Oh, it's, I wasn't a Paul, I wasn't a Paul Martin fan. Don't get me wrong. It, but again, that's more personality than policy. Yeah. You know, and, and same thing with when it was Cretchen, like, um, I was too young to care too much about policy when he was prime minister. You know, I couldn't think of one major issue. But the guy just had something, you know, he was... Again, you look at the same reasons I admire Putin or respect him to a certain extent. It's the same thing that applies to Cretchen. You get what you expect and it's, you take no shit. Well, and if you like throw a pie in his face, he's, he's going to punch, punch you. you. <laughs> he's going to punch you. And you know what? Today, he'd be in the press for punching a citizen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And well, no, but today if somebody if somebody pied Trudeau, I feel like he would be like getting them drawn up on domestic terrorism. <laughs> Are we, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I I believe that's currently happening. It is. It is. I mean, uh, gravel throwing is is terrorism. Oh yeah, jeez. It is actually happening. <sighs> yeah, I I don't condone it. I understand how people can get in today's world can get that angry. I still don't condone it. We're not at that point. Right. Um, but from Trudeau's perspective and like his team. To, to take it that far and not just be able to be like, hey, we've really got some people upset. Let's try and build a bridge instead of creating more distance. I, th- I think given the severity of the outcome of that situation, it could have been a lot worse and we're glad it's not. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, but I... But to actually lay charges and push it... I'm not I'm not saying it was a good idea, even if from a practical sense. Line him up. Give Trudeau a free free shot. And <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. let's be Canadian and move on. Yeah, with yeah. It. I mean he did his boxing thing a few times, didn't he? But yeah. um the the thing for me though is and again, this isn't saying that it was a great idea or that that's where I want to see things going, but you just had an election and we're going through a time where, I don't know if it's 10% now or 15% of Canadian adults are being turned into second-class citizens. They are second-class citizens um, in, their own, in their own country for a personal medical choice that they made and you know i get that the some people will make the argument because if you compare it to jim crow they'll say well you know people can change their vaccination status you couldn't change your race fair enough but for me like that's sort of like an is versus ought argument so people would say well you ought to you know then just get vaccinated as if 
that's an okay sort of imposition to put on people, but let's say it is. The reality is that some people won't. And then what do you do with them? Do you just we just agree that they're second class citizens? They're like basically criminals. They're being treated that way. They're being fired from their jobs. They can't participate in public society. They can't get on planes or trains or leave the country even. Well, yeah, that's where I look at it. And I don't even get to the point of like second class citizens. You've got a government that's just straight up ignoring the Constitution. Yeah, and usually at that point you'd rely on the courts, right? You'd rely on the courts to to back you up, but at least in Canada, I have no faith that the courts are principled. As of this week, it's it's probably gotten to the worst it's it's literally ever been. You've got in Alberta now, the Alberta Supreme Court has issued a decision that Archer Plavlosky they're they're mandating speech now. Uh, and and not so much that they're punishing him for for wrong speech. They have ruled that any time he preaches about anything to do with the mandates, they have given him a dictated script. He is obligated by law to offer a scientific quote unquote perspective with his pastoring. So if he says, I disagree with this mandate, I disagree, they have now obligated that he speaks the, this chorus that the government and health authorities have dictated. He, he can no longer have his speech without having to self-fact-check, for lack of a better word. And this, just to confirm, this was the pastor who was arrested on the side of the road like he he, he was he was side famous for ro- like kicking yes. kicking the side of the road and then again recently getting off a plane landing in Alberta and and yeah, for context I mean, this pastor is first gener like he's from Poland Poland yeah that's right yeah so contextually this person is very sensitive to what's going on in the terms of authoritarianism yeah and I mean, it, this is just goes back to the very little hope I have for Canada in general, the population uh, being willing to stand up against things like that, the the courts being um, truthful and honest enough to stop that type of thing, and just in general, like the philosophy of the founding of Canada just doesn't have it in us to stand up to those types of things. And we also have this problem where we identify ourselves as not American. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about Canadians that we go like... I'm terrified by the people I'm surrounded with. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just the lack of of diversity in thought when it comes to freedom is kind of terrifying i've never been afraid to share my opinion i've always been like a really opinionated guy in the group sort of thing i don't you know we've got our group chat or and even just before that you know i was always willing to get in the the arguments usually good spirited but i'd be willing to get you know uh get a little bit heated as well but lately i've i've i'll admit I've kind of lost the will to do it just out of, you know, just despair that I'm, I've watched the people who said they agreed with me for years or for a year now, 
just slowly peel off and now I'm the crazy one when it's them who's changed their opinions. It's wild when you can, you can literally watch the Overton window happen live. And again, like this goes to like the red pill, blue pill, like metaphor in once you've, you've seen the perspective we see, you, you can't not see it. But for these people that don't get it, like they, they simply honest, honestly don't get it. They don't see over the last year how far they've changed. And uh, last week we touched on personal boundaries and, and where everyone's line is. And I think I think that's so critical in drawing that line, even now being what I think is probably too late to draw that line. But for the average person to, to really sit down with themselves and draw that line so they can prevent themselves from moving further. Right. Because like I look at it like how do we... like. You can't write the ship with what we have, with, with the tools at our disposal. We can't write this ship. The best we can hope for at this point is stop it from sinking further. And had people drawn their lines and without emotion, without fear, just said, hey, this is where I will not cross. Yeah. And like you and I are there. We've got our lines. Yeah. And we're not compromising. But so many people will happily cross that line if it just means they're a little more comfortable. Right. But then the worst thing is, is like, and, and you know what? I can get it. You want to make your life a little bit more comfortable, make things easier. Okay. But once you cross that line, so many people cross that line and then they just forget that they were on the other side of it not that long ago. And then they start hectoring all the people who are still on the other side of it. All of a sudden they're just fully in on it, on the narrative. And, you know, we're talking about, vaccines basically but it's not just that it's lockdowns and all this stuff but it's know. it's how much power you give the government over you right it, it's I, I don't need to take it to such a small level like it could be vaccines it could be it could be seat belts it, it's what role does the government have in your life and for my whole life you've seen it just going one direction right and it, you're not going to get it back you know, not, they're not they're not just gonna not very easily historically it doesn't happen without some problems and, I, and we're here trying to uh, avoid these problems well yeah I mean we are but I'll be I'll be brutally honest right now I'm not interested or I'm not it's, it's not that I'm not interested I would love to be able to but I don't feel we're in a position locally to right this shit like you're saying i don't even think we're in a position locally to stop it from sinking and if it comes down to it for the sake of my family and their well-being i'll leave um i I would prefer not to do it i love this because this is where you can differentiate the difference so like you are i would say you're a little left of center but really good center it's funny that you would say that but yeah, pr- pretty pretty centrist. But most if, you had, Not, if you had, if you had, I don't, I don't pick the center of any one argument just because it's the center. I just, I can go either way on a lot of different things. Yeah, but if if you had to like take the whole total, I would put you a couple degrees to the left, and I'm probably more than a couple degrees to the right. Okay. Um, but it's funny because like that's your, and I respect that. I totally understand why people feel the need to leave, and. I'm over here with my perspective. It's like, I, I don't want any hill to die on, but it's like, if you're going to come for me, 
come for me. Right, and, and I get that, like, sort of stand your ground, and I... And I, I, I don't say that to, like, belittle the concept no, of... No, 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 no. Florida's I, awesome. I, I, if I could get a ticket to Florida, I mean... And that's what I'm talking about when I say I, I'm looking at leaving. I agree. And what I, what I mean is don't pick a dumb battle. Don't pick a battle that you're sure to lose. And... And, and I get you can say, well, I stood on my principles. And, I, you know, funnily enough, like in some other areas right now, I maybe have picked a battle that I'm sure to lose that could cost me heavily with when it comes to work and certain man- the mandates. But on the whole, I'm not looking to martyr my family. I would rather, much rather, go to a place of strength where I, to fight from and lend to that cause. I get it. I, I don't, I don't mean to put you off. No, well, no, no. I, I, I just, I wanted to highlight the difference. And like, again, I, it's easy. It's easy to, uh, kind of say that I'd, I'd pick that fight and I'd stand that ground when I'm not at that point. Um, right. having fought a couple key lines already and, and successfully standing, uh, I, it gives me a bit of, ease to say that certainly I don't want to get to the point where I have to literally per- stand on that hill uh, I don't know it's it's a very martyrous way to think perhaps right. I, I want I want to stand on my principles to that end but I certainly don't fault leaving and honestly had the cards presented themselves uh, yeah Ron DeSantis let's let's uh, let's start the process well and this is this is just you know I have always considered myself to be a proud Canadian. And I'm not wouldn't say that that's changed, but certainly my opinion of what Canada currently stands for and what the the people frankly are willing to do is really concerning to me. And I wish we had more of that American backbone, really, and I I would love to say that I could just adopt that country, you know what I mean, and and move there if I had to. I, I would feel terrible leaving Canada, but at the same time, if there's nothing here, if there's no place of strength to start out from here, and it's simply just going to mean the ruination of my family... I mean, I can make that decision for myself, or I'd like to say that I would, but I got a one, one-year-old one daughter, and it's hard to say that I would compromise her in that way. At the same time, I don't want her brought up in the world that I fear Canada's becoming. For sure. I, I, I definitely, like, looking at where it is now and where, historically, where it looks like it may be headed... Uh, I, I think I think we're about to be cutting our teeth of of understanding what freedom's worth, and I there's no there's no shame in in wanting to avoid that process. It's not it's not so much that like I'm willing, or I'd like to say again that I'm willing to do that. It's just, do you do that? Like I'm I'm talking truly like physically and geographically. Do you have enough support here to make that a 
a winning battle or even a plausibly See, winning battle. Again, like I, you say you're a proud Canadian and I, I like actually struggle with that statement. I've got a Canadian flag in the shop. I, I would say that traditionally I you have been two a two Canadian flags <laughs> in the shop. I would say, well, yeah, one is a curtain. <laughs> um, I would say I'm a, a proud Canadian typically. Um, but then you look at Canada historically again, and the one attribute Canada is always praised for is their, is their kindness. Right. And they're, they really, they're pacifist. Kindness is overrated. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But now uh, I realize that. The but. thing people also like while they do that is they also don't understand the veracity of what Canadians can be. Uh, Canadians are, are really awesome till you push them too far and they go zero to 60 a lot quicker than many others. I, you, you make an American angry and you can literally watch them escalate slowly. You push a Canadian too far and you can take them from going sorry to I've got a gun in my truck. Yeah. I, I hope, man, I hope that that I, would happen. And, that may be a little like pulling the wool over my own eyes, a little too optimistic. I, it's been burned before. I said when they had mandates, people would wake up. People would, this is a bridge too far. Yeah. And I got caught with that one. I got caught being overly optimistic and misjudging my population. Um, but the next line would be, I, I think when they start coming for the kids, I think you're going to see a lot more people shift. I, I, do think that there's a lot of vaccinated parents out there who are not going to be willing to get their 10-year-old vaccinated. Um, Do you think it'll be enough for, to, to see through the, the crap? Well, I mean, what will really where it will really matter is if they're mandating it, which I have no doubt that they will at this point. But if they, you know, if they're saying you know, your, your kid can't play hockey like they are with 12 to 18 year olds right now. And I think they're successfully abdicating it by letting the small organizations do it. They're, they're distributing the anger. Right. Right. So that it's not concentrated on a provincial level. Well, like, I mean, I saw here, our local health unit mandated that and forget, let's, let's get beyond the point that we have local health units uh, mandating everything for the last year and a half. Like there's some sort of unelected tyrant. Right. Uh, and then, you know, that that's a problem in and of itself. But, you know, we, we've got a pretty extreme one here who who's doing that. And they, you know, yeah, they're banning 12-year-olds for not being vaccinated from playing sport, who aren't vaccinated from playing sports. And so far, I'm not seeing much, much pushback against that. And the problem is, I really do think this is that between traditional corporate media, uh, which is all in the same boat, our government, and then the censoring of uh, of big tech for the counter narrative most people really really do believe that covid is this existential threat i'm not saying it's nothing but it has never ever been so bad that we need to go to these levels not even close well i think you look at the canadian legal system and like part of our emergency laws and mandates has been a requirement to show like a disparate impact. They, they need to reach 
a threshold to justify this stuff. And not only has it not been done, the courts are, are trying to put it off. They will not put it off forever. There is going to come a time. Uh, specifically, look at Alberta. Padia Haidu said she was too busy to do court, which, again, in a pandemic and you're a public health officer, I understand that. That's, that is a valid excuse. However, she took vacation that yeah. same week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Too busy, though. you've got people actively trying to, to skirt accountability. And sooner or later, they are going to have to stand for this. And the facts will come out. And people are really going to have to learn. We do have to live with this. Well, I mean, you, you're right. Time itself will show that. Um Right now, I still think, particularly before this winter, fall and winter season, uh, some Canadians are holding out hope that, like, you know, as vaccination rates continue to go up because of these, like, tyrannical mandates and all that stuff, that it's going to stop it. But eventually, time is going to show that we're not getting rid of it. But, you know, there, so many of them are still plugged in, and I don't see the media ever turning around on this you know and, and you can get things like in Alberta they've got the the health minister uh, minister of health uh, Dina Hinshaw yeah you know and she's tweeting out about and it's tragic awful story um, you know about a, a child who died of COVID oh with, I saw that yeah with uh, you know um, other pre-existing medical conditions well, the pre-existing medical condition was terminal brain cancer. And it's like, or at least I... No, you're it, right. Okay, you're right. I Confirmed sure. by his sister. Yeah. And I know that the family pushed back against that. And she did apologize. But it's like, she apologized because there was the pushback from the family. But, I mean, we do have to understand that pretty much <clears throat> every child in Canada that's died of or with COVID has had very, very serious pre-existing medical conditions. Globally. And, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, globally for sure. I mean, but just locally here in Canada and that the flu is way more dangerous. I know like we've probably, you've probably covered this before, but the, the fear of COVID, especially, you know, you, you get CTV or Global saying, don't invite your vaccin unvaccinated family members to uh, Thanksgiving because your kids still can't get the vaccine. And it's like... Well, you've got Trudeau on, on national levels saying he doesn't want unvaccinated people sitting on a train beside his children. Right. Well, let's be honest. His children don't ride public transit. No, of course but, not. But uh, yeah, the concept yeah. is, is ludicrous is to think that uh, somebody with no symptomatic anything is going to infect your child and then subsequently be the cause of their death is not just dishonest. It's an outright lie. Like it's fear mongering. It's you intentional fear mongering. Consciously know that yeah. you're, you're lying. And like you look at the case of the, the boy who unfortunately lost his battle to cancer. Um, and then his sister came out and is public. That what it was? Yeah. yeah. His sister came out and publicly lambasted, I believe it was CTV in that region. Um, but he, they publicly lambasted the media outlet, but it's like, that's not a job a, a young girl should have to do well, why is while, the family while dealing, having to worry while about dealing with the death of her, her brother. Right. Journalistic integrity isn't being upheld from the inside. 
so much so that you've got teenage children that have to do it while grieving the the very recent death of her brother. Right. On a national scale. It's um it, it in my opinion it should be criminal. Uh that wasn't done by accident. That wasn't done just in haste. I know that that was the argument is that it was like, "Oh, we just wanted to get information out. We didn't check everything that we should have." No, you And and what's the the benefit to get that information out anyway? It, it, the benefit it's is fear. to fear. Yeah. It caused fear. So, um, so far, you know, I, I do think that Canadians are willing to put up with it uh, as far as the the lockdown measures and the, the fear measures. See, I think the fear is waning, much like the, the vaccine effectiveness. <laughs> well, may, maybe the fear is waning. Yeah, maybe the fear is waning, but... It, it's been like subbed out with this acceptance that if you didn't get the vaccine, well, it's on you. Yeah, I, I think under lockdown. I think winter will probably see my 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 optimistic and we'll probably end it soon. But on on a good note, uh, I I think optimistically, I think getting through winter, you'll see people fed up. You'll see the nice weather come, and they're just going to be done with it, regardless of where everyone stands. I think you make through winter, and personally, I see. People are going to lose a little faith in the vaccines. They're, they probably aren't going to do as much as they said they would. At least that's what we're seeing from Israel. Uh, and they seem to be a few months ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that we've, you know, changed our our tune on like Moderna for young people. And like in Scandinavia, I think it's been outright banned for young yeah. people. Uh, you know. Or the mix pe- and match. Pending. Yeah. Pending my situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still currently unvaccinated. But I was I was talking with my my mom over Thanksgiving actually, and it came up that if I if it turned out that I was forced into it, um, and who knows what I'll decide if that's forced upon me. But you know she's saying, oh well, you know you you should probably be getting Pfizer now because you know not Moderna's not recommended for your age group, and I'm not sure it actually is not recommended. By Health Canada. I think for my we're, age I think we're at up to thirty. Is it? So yeah. So I think I'm. I would still technically be in the recommended age group to be able to get it. But, but the funny thing I was gonna say to her, and I didn't, because I didn't want to get into it, was, you know, oh, we're finding this out now. You know, right. like how how many millions of young people have already gotten it? And no, did all of them die? Of course not. It, it's, but the point is, is that we have found out as we've been testing these vaccines on the population that on the whole it's it's not a clear enough benefit at the very least For and sure. that's just what we know so far yeah absolutely. and, and the, the risks are comparable enough that we wouldn't we wouldn't recommend it a hundred percent, and, and you, we're figuring it out as we go yeah and we won't know everything for no. for many years to come right and, and this is only the, the evidence is only going to go in one direction from now on. It's not like it's not like they're going to look back and go, actually, those hearts didn't swell. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you started know? at such a point that you had nowhere but but backwards to go, really. Yeah, these were the save all and were perfect, safe, and effective. You started at a point that even if that's true, that's still the the maximum benefit they can get to. You're only going to backslide. Yeah, so. I actually had conversations with somebody at, at my work who 
they got Pfizer, I believe, and they, they lied to cut the line. They said they had health conditions. They said his wife had uh, a pregnant. So they, they were, they lied to cut the line and whatever. There's ethics behind that. But if you're genuinely that afraid, Oh yeah, it's good for you to just get your anxiety dealt with. Um, but then they talked about mixing and they were like, I don't know. And then it came out and they're like, Oh, I wish my parents didn't mix. And I'm like, I said to him, I'm like, because the data just came out that this may be bad. He's like, yeah, I, I knew right away. It's like, but but what happens if we learn more down the road about what the path you chose? Yeah. And it's like, what you know now is only what you know now. And I certainly don't think that it's some mass... Depopulation Right, it's, not, it's no. certainly not. I mean, uh, the problem is, and no, I don't think so either, but the problem is, is if that's what you were going to do... This is how you would do it. <laughs> like, You're this right. Is, so it fits the narrative that like the people who are already predisposed to thinking that that's what's going on. It's just like I've seen this movie before. The one, <laughs> you know the one mean? disconnect, and like I, I do, I love the conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I really want to, I want to do an, an episode on that soon. Um, but the one thing, it's just Occam's razor when it comes to that stuff. It's like, okay, so you're telling me that 90% of the population is going to effectively be depopulized through sterilization or straight up murder. If, if that's your kill target, switch. yeah, kill right. switch is my favorite one. So yeah. it's like, okay, let's, let's just run maybe 10 feet with that theory. So you're telling me that the 10% of the population that you're going to be left with are going to be the ones that know the truth and didn't play games with it to start with. Yeah. And you're going to rebuild society with that. <laughs> like, yeah. The Bill Gates and all the, you know, the the people who are pulling the strings on this, they're just going to be okay. We're not going to lynch them. Right. And, and the quote-unquote anti-vaxxers that survived this theory yeah, yeah. are going to then work with the elite? <laughs> yeah. No, I, again, it, it's... I, it's too bad that, you know, I love a good conspiracy theory, and I love getting into it with some of my friends who are really into them. And I, I don't try and shoot them down. I like to just hear what they have to say. But sometimes it's too bad that, and it's intentional, the media amplifies those conspiracy theorists in order to paint anybody, oh, like so conscientious easy. objectors with the same brush, yeah. right? So it, it, it's too bad. You know, I was actually at, I, I've got to wrap it up. Uh, soon, but one of the things I was actually at a PPC rally well, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't a PPC rally, it was an anti-mask anti-lockdown, you know even I'm using their language of (laughs) anti-mask it's anti-lockdown and anti-vax passport uh, rally and you know, the organizers start talking, like he he basically gets his phone out and hold it holds like a you know the anonymous type yeah, of I know recording. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he holds it to the microphone and plays this anonymous voice type recording and talking about the depopulation levels. And you know, I see the media's there and it's like, oh, they got their clip. They can head home now. The other thing <laughs> I've I've been I probably the same one is they start the rally with this. I know. And it's like, you've got reasonable people that are, are on your side. They don't want lockdowns. They don't want you to force this stuff on people. And you start it by taking it to the farthest points. Yeah. It's you're like, not winning any... No. You're not winning any supporters. You know? No. And like you can literally see, at least in London, the numbers are dwindling. Of course, yeah. And, and yeah. But... We're gonna. We touched on World War Three, China. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, Canadian politics a lot. Uh, Trump, Trump yeah. Putin. H- how do we end this with some hope? Um, 
You've got the hope. Honestly, I, I'm very pessimistic, uh, at least in the short to medium term. Long term, I, I don't know. I see cracks every day. I, honestly, I, I like it's it's picking up at a fairly rapid pace. I, I think you look at Canada Post, they've now removed their mandate altogether. Yeah. Uh, the federal mandate for, for all federal employees, it looks like 70%. It doesn't even apply to them. It, not even that they're exempt. It just doesn't apply. Which is good. You've got yeah. the RCMP union saying we're fighting this. Yeah, I saw, was it, yeah, a bunch of police unions. Are a ton of first responders. It. Yeah. You've got Quebec has now pushed their deadline for, for healthcare workers to mid-November. And now you've got um, Doug Ford. He's now looking at, is it worth it to do a healthcare mandate? Now, I have problems in the fact he's looking at it from a economic perspective can we afford the hit he's not doing it from a humanistic perspective right yeah, yeah. he doesn't look at this as 10,000 plus people's jobs families mortgage payments he's only looking at the healthcare system which fine we're still getting cracks out of that yeah you got Roman Baber doing his thing and I know he's he's fighting man he's still doing he's still trying yeah give him that much. and you've got new blue is getting some real traction I'm, I'm really excited I, I'm haven't got my membership there yet. We'll have I, to talk about that. I, I, I really do, yeah. Yeah. Um, I see cracks. I see hope. And you get enough cracks, and, and you're going to start seeing people swing. And even if... So Doug Ford, like the, he's into campaign season. He's going to stop, at least for the next little bit. He has to stop being so heavy-handed, or he's, he's screwed. Yeah. He's got all of the people that voted conservative that are not in love with him. No. I, I see it letting up. And he's not going to get the traditional NDP or liberal voter. Either, no, so. I, I think he's got a really hard battle. Yeah. I think he knows it. I, think, I could see the NDP winning next yeah, year. But, but I mean, from Ontario, I think we're kind of screwed politically. Yes. But I do see hope. And, and he is going to be getting desperate. And in his desperation, I, I think we've got hope. Well, that's good. Well, I think that's a a note to leave it on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm more pessimistic, but I'm going to... We've got a we've got a ton <coughs> more. We're, we're definitely gonna have to sit down again because yeah, we, we didn't what? touch we, on we'll half. Yeah, we'll do it, and we'll do maybe a little bit more uh, focused. Yeah, we definitely we definitely need a list. Topics, but I love I love the uh, the scatter shot. And uh, just before we go, uh, we just got to pay the bills. And obviously, we don't do this for any monetary value. Uh, we simply want to reach people and make a difference, change the way people think a little bit, and uh, and slow the pace of society down a little uh, take time to to really think out what's going on so in in that vein uh we just ask that you pass us along to somebody who may enjoy it or may need it uh if if you think we did a good job that that is the price of admission if uh we left some on the table or we could have done something better in your eyes we always welcome constructive criticism and you can reach us at our email in the show notes uh Till next week, uh, I hope you have a great week. 